Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. Calling all baseball fans. With opening day just around the corner, the Colorado Rockies are warming up for a great season fueled by elite training and teamwork. But what fans don't get to see is the teamwork happening off the field. Today's episode is an absolute home run. We've got Tony Lopez, Senior Director of Security at the Colorado Rockies Baseball Club, and he's joined by his colleague, Michael Bush, Senior Director of Information Systems for the team. Together, they safeguard the Rockies' staff, players, and fans at home or away through expert communication and collaboration. Let's listen in. Tony, Michael, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Peter, for having us on today. Thanks, Peter. It's a joy to be here. All right. Well, I'd really like to start by learning how you guys work together. So, Michael, you oversee technology while Tony oversees physical security, but there must be some kind of overlap here. So where do you two intersect? So I'm mostly responsible for uh, information security and standing that whole program up here at the Colorado Rockies. Basically, when I got here, we had a, a pretty novice system, and, and now it's a pretty advanced system, I would say. Certainly, no system is ever perfect, but it's getting better as we go along. But uh, along with those, where it affects Tony and where we intersect is we're also responsible for security cameras and the recording and then some AI around that, badge access and crisis communications, which we use several different solutions for. Very good. And it seems like over the last maybe five to 10 years, your two roles have really started converging and folks like you and organizations have to spend a lot more time working together than perhaps ever in the past since technology is just overtaking our lives. Would you find that to be a true statement? Yeah, a hundred percent. The line between physical and virtual is getting ever and ever closer. And a lot of times that line is blurred whenever you're talking about physical security, whether it be access to an MDF room where all the data equipment is stored or all the connectivity is stored, or even something as simple as locking down a lighting control because we don't want the lights to go wonky during a game or the communication system for somebody to fire off some false alarm during a game and create a panic. It all crisscrosses each other. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, what would you add to that? I'd just like to add that cyber has become such a challenge in both the public sector and the private sector nowadays. There are so many different malware attacks. There are so many different approaches that bad people are trying to do bad things to good people. And it's just refreshing and reassuring to know that we have an IT team here that is so experienced and they, they go to great pains to stay current and to provide everything to not only ball club, but the employees to ensure that that we're putting our best foot forward to protect against those cyber issues and problems that are are being seen not only in our country, but across the world. Well, so many new things have popped up over the years as far as the attacks are concerned or the technologies there to help combat them or monitor them. So Tony, what are some of the other systems that you work with that might surprise people? So in addition to the technologies we have for physical security, we also use an instant check that allows us to do a quick check on someone that's coming in 
our back door that hasn't gone through background check or a pre-employment check of any kind. It's worked well for us. And we've actually interdicted a number of individuals that we wouldn't have permitted to work within our footprint as a result of that. In addition to that, we've got technology that gives us the capability to do undercarriage video checks of vehicles. It permits us to know exactly what's an anomaly, what's underneath the vehicle prior to it getting into the footprint. So it's one more layer of security that we've got as a result of this technology that we've invested in. And we used it successfully in 21 during the All-Star game, and it gave us the ability to really be forward-leaning and ensuring that we weren't having any energetic materials or suspicious items that were getting into our footprint that we couldn't identify and that we couldn't mitigate immediately. Speaking of vehicles, when you said that, I started to think about drones, and that's got to be a concern for you guys with a game that people want to see, but only a limited population can get in. Do people send drones over the the ballpark to figure out what's going on? What do you do about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So we also have a drone vendor, if you will, that we utilize not only on game days, but it's operational around the clock every day of the year when we make use of this product. And it gives us longitude latitude of where the drone operator is within a set scope of distance. Wow. And allows us the opportunity to contact them. Now, there we get a temporary flight restriction for games as part of Major League Baseball. And that permits us to restrict out in our airspace hobbyists or others uh, that desire to fly a drone over the over our footprint then it would surprise you on a daily basis how many hobbyists are out there flying around our footprint or flying in the neighborhood. And some, it may not necessarily be a nefarious operation. It just could be a careless operation that could result in someone being seriously injured. So this product allows us to be able to identify the operator and get voluntary compliance. The the beautiful thing about the system too is that it combines a a radar system so uh, we can tell the minute a drone is turned on the minute it goes up in the air. And then what happens is as soon as it's detected, we have a camera system that, that spots the drone in the sky so we can get eyes on it. We, can, we know exactly where it is. We can, at a later date, see exactly the path that it took and where it came from, where it landed, where it went, the, the flight duration, the elevation it was going the whole time. It's really a, a, a really great system. Is there a countermeasure, like a little mini battery of surface-to-air missiles that you can use? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, those are illegal, right, Tony? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the federal government frowns on private citizens doing anything to interdict a craft in flight. So we stay away from that. Well, that's fascinating. I can't imagine that either of you thought when you started your careers that this is where you would be thinking in 2023. I think when I started my career, they had not invented cell phones yet. (laughs) 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 Very good. Very good. Well, I know you guys are part of a bigger infrastructure being Major League Baseball. So is there some kind of central command with MLB that you're part of? How does that work? Michael, maybe you can comment. Yeah. So the MLB has a a very good and experienced information security team. The CISO, the chief information security officer for Major League Baseball is named Neil Boland. And he is a fantastic person. He is, I don't think the guy ever sleeps. He's always up on technologies. He knows what threats are out there worldwide and what's coming after us and is super proactive in his communication. And then his staff is just as wonderful. They're willing to jump in and help us do what we need to do. 
the two or three biggest services that they provide for us is one, they vet solutions for us. So we're not spending our time with a bunch of different salespeople. They actually get their hands in there, get dirty, vet the solutions and have an educated opinion of why one solution is better than another. So that's wonderful. Uh, Another thing they do is they then take the power of the league and the 30 teams in the league, plus some of the parent companies and negotiate seats for all of those participants. So we get extremely good pricing because of them. But what I will say actually is the most important thing though, is that if there is an incident, a cyber incident, their team is ready to spring into action. There's a combination of MLB employees, our VSOC, our virtual security operations center, they're continuously monitoring. As soon as anomalies are detected, they're on it. They're either mitigating themselves with a certain scope that I've allowed them to, or if they can't, they're giving me and and my main security guys a call. I've been woken up at 2 a.m. on Sunday a few times um, because we have an employee that decided to take a trip to Kenya and then they're logging into their email accounts and they're like, hey, is this is this good? Uh, yeah, it looks good. I, I think I remember that guy's going there, so we're good. Oh, that's great to have that assistance. Tony, what about you from the physical standpoint? How do you and your team respond in case of an incident? Is Central Command your first contact? Do you deal with it locally and then bring them in as necessary? How does that work? So typically on game day, we've got a command post that we staff with an off-duty police dispatcher, an off-duty fire officer, off-duty paramedics. Those are our game day stakeholders that assist with critical incidents that may take place. But additionally, we have Rockies engineering staff there, and then we've got Rockies guest relations. So it's a it's a pretty robust command post. So it's a quick triage, if you will, on an assessment of the type of call. And depending on the type of call, it may or may not involve me. I typically stay fluid and float around the, the footprint during games, waiting to see if there's something I need to do to partner with our off-duty law enforcement officers that are here to address crime-related issues or anything where we may be exposed with regards to civil liability. So really, it's just a, it depends on the type of scenario. So for arguments like, let's say that it's a medical call, then whomever is making the call to medical, and depending on the severity of the injury, it's a very serious fall that could result in the person being hospitalized and something like that, I'd probably go over to just to make sure that we've got, we're capturing all the information for our guest relations team and for those individuals that need to report out that medical's on site, they're going on, and that my boss is aware of it and that the command staff and also the command post is aware of it in case you get media inquiries or something like that on, on some injury. So that's kind of, that'd be like a medical call. Criminal in nature, We've got someone who assaulted someone, provoked or unprovoked. We've got a police response. We've got an injured party. That party's being treated. And depending on how severely injured they are, they may be treated and released and allowed to join their family for the ballgame, or they may need to be transported to be treated. So depending on how egregious that is, all that information is sent back to the command post. It's documented. Individuals that need to be made aware of what's happened are notified. If, for example, we've received information, from intelligence, whether it's a Darren Police Department, the State Fusion Center, or MLB Security itself, that there's an individual or a group of individuals that are doing nefarious activity in ballparks, and we just happen to be the spot they pick for that day, and they come in and carry out some unlawful act that results in uh, serious 
injury or results in game stoppage or something like that, that would definitely be reported up to MLB so that notification can be made to all the other clubs to say this may not be a one-off. This group may have other co-conspirators or in other parts of other cities trying to gather attention for themselves. So be on the lookout for, and then we share our experiences, what we have going on so that people can be better prepared to, to handle a problem that may spin out of Denver and may end up in one of the other major league baseball cities. Just to go back to one one other thing on Tony's point, I want to point out that Tony and his team are doing a, a wonderful job here because he's been here, what, like five years? And each year we have periodic safety meetings. And so we go over like all of the incidents that have happened on the footprint. And for the last five years, those have gotten better. And if you look at some of the statistics in, in Denver proper, you know, some of the crime is kind of going up, but it feels like we're still a safe haven in the middle of all that. And that's that's a big tribute to Tony and his team. But it is funny, we do go over sort of the weekly responses in one meeting and we'll all be given our updates, doing whatever. And then Tony comes on and we all say, oh, here comes Eeyore <laughs> to bring us all down. <laughs> but that's a huge piece of advice that I'd give, especially to other stadiums, is that we really lucked out by getting Tony in here because he's really, really good at what he does. You know, he's been doing it forever. He's very well connected in the community and people respect him. So it's a good place to be for the Rockies organization. He was really good hire. So how important would you say that is to a safety professional's job, be it in cyber or in the physical world, that that idea of don't try to do it all by yourself, but build a team around you and constantly communicate and collaborate. How important is that to your success? God, it's it's rule number one, as far as I'm concerned. Like if I had a team of people that were as smart as me, then we would be really bad off because <laughs> I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I have really good people that work for me. So you know, you, you can't know everything that goes that goes on all the time. You know, six sets of eyes are better than one set of eyes and 20 sets of eyes are even better than that, right? So we do have the mantra of the see something, say something. And poor Tony is the, that gets the brunt of that. The thing you have to remember too, that's sort of unique about Tony and my reality is that we're on the employee safety podcast here. And, and we do have a number of employees, you know, on a game day, we might have, 1,500, 2,000 people working. If you, it's all said and done between our partners, Aramark and their concessions workers, you know, all the ticketing staff and the ushers and plus, you know, everybody that's making the, the game hum. But also along those lines, we have to worry about the 50,000 fans in the park, right? So if something's happening, whether that be cyber or God forbid physical, that also falls on our shoulders. And so it's a, a little bit different flavor than a lot of people are used to, but it's a welcome responsibility and it makes the job interesting. That's right. Exactly. So with Major League Baseball, I'm sure you have many counterparts across all the teams out there. How do you lean on one another? Maybe Tony, you could go first. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. So each team has a director of security, if you will, and annually we meet as an organization, Major League Baseball, and go through uh, a three-day block on different training classes, things that have changed in the industry, new products are available, and it gives us a chance to kind of network during those meetings. So I've had the opportunity to attend uh, several of those prior to COVID, of course, but and then after. But several of those have had a chance to get to meet my counterparts. Not uncommon for me to call the security director from one of the other Major League teams to ask a question to 
see how they've handled a situation in the past. Uh, for example, starting in 2022, Major League Baseball required that each team have a traveling security professional, which is an individual that answers to me that advances the trip, if you will. They almost act like Secret Service for the president. Well, they'll they'll call ahead, they'll they'll talk to the security professional, the security director at the city where they're going to visit. They'll, they'll talk to the hotel, the security people there. They'll talk to the local law enforcement officers. They'll talk to uh, the resident security agent for MLB. They call them RSAs to find out about trends, problems, issues, potential protests and stuff like that. They'll determine the quickest route to medical attention should an, an emergency arise or evacuation routes. So they really do a very robust job of prepping for the team. They're the point of contact for the traveling security professional and also for the individual responsible for the clubhouse, the clubhouse manager, if you will. So they work closely and they're there as a resource for the players in case somebody needs information or a problem pops up. But they're the, the first line of defense in case we have something that happens on the road. They're quick to report back to me to let me know what's going on. And then we talk to the coach. We talk to the Travel and security secretary. We talk to everybody involved to include the vice president of ballpark operations and our leadership. If there's something that's really happened that's going to have a negative impact on our brand or that's going to put our players or our fans or player families or staff in danger. So it's a great program. We ran it last year was the inaugural year for us and we got nothing but positive feedback on that. I've got three well-experienced law enforcement officers that have worked in excess of 30 years each in the field of law enforcement handling critical incidents. They're subject matter experts in uh, a variety of crime-related issues and a variety of police sciences, if you will. So we're blessed to have a great team and we all work collaboratively with uh, each other and also with the visiting teams on the road to address any kind of issues or problems that arise. Well, Michael, what about you and your world? How do you connect with your counterparts across the league? The first and foremost is MLB sponsors twice a year, just conferences for us to get together. So me and my 30 counterparts and several of our staff in August will go out to Las Vegas and, and do an information security summit and just spend a week talking about information security. That is as exciting as it sounds. So thank goodness it's in Vegas. Um, and then uh, in, in uh, the November timeframe, we get together and just do a, a tech summit. And that usually rotates between different ballparks. So we hosted it here at Coors Field in 2018, and it was a, a smashing success. But uh, those are always great. It's just great to, to connect with peers, get industry trends, get, you know, how, how did you solve this problem, whether it be in an official sort of forum or just the one-off at night having a drink with a guy, you know, it's great. Along those lines too, we have independent monthly team calls with uh, the CISO of the MLB, Neil Boland, just to give him the, the state of the team and he gives us the state of MLB. So that is a, a very good communication mechanism. And we have monthly club only calls. So me and my 29 counterparts just get together and talk about whatever we talk about. So we, we've started doing that recently and that, that seems to be going pretty well. I usually send out a request for an agenda and I normally get maybe one item, but we've never had a problem filling the hour because we've always got something that comes up and it's just a, a great way to bounce uh, ideas off of each other. But the other thing too that, that, uh, that I've done locally is 
whenever I started here, I, I had no experience in sports. So what I did is I reached out to the Broncos and I reached out to Cronky Sports Entertainment, which owns the Avs and the Nuggets, and asked them if they'd be interested in starting a quarterly lunch just to get together and discuss, you know, local issues and local technologies or, hey, what are you doing and, and how does that affect our fan base? You know, because we all sort of share the same the same fan base. And uh, that's that's been going pretty well. It, it got sort of derailed during COVID, but we recently started it again. But the funny thing about that story is that it started as a lunch and it lasted for two lunches and then turned into a happy hour. So <laughs> <laughs> it's now our quarterly happy hour. <laughs> what a great story. Thank you. Well, talking about preparation, maybe Tony, can you tell us how you prepare your team, both the staff and the players to say safe and secure? Sure. So there's a number of things that we do. So at the end of each season, we have a postseason debrief with all our partners. We bring in our canine. We've got a private canine energetic material coverage team that comes in. So we'll sit down and meet with them. We'll sit down and meet with those individuals that are tasked with with uh, working our walk-through metal detectors. We'll sit down and talk to our guest relations people to our law enforcement partners, to the off-duty officers who work inside, and then the ones that are responsible for traffic. So we meet with everybody that had anything to do on game day to get their take on how the season go, where did we come up short, where did we succeed, what did you like, what didn't you like, and is there anything going on in the industry or anything going on in technology that we should be asking for for next season to ensure that we're in, in a better position to to provide a safe environment for our fans to come enjoy that ballpark experience. So we do that at the end of the season. And then at the beginning of the season, I have a punch list that's several pages long and it goes through training and it goes through, again, preseason meetings. What's the season look like? You know, are there any new threats trending? Are there any conflicts nationally, internationally, and locally that may become problematic for us? Do we expect any crowd management issues because of of self-expressive behavior that may be coming on. Are we going to expect an election this year? How might that impact us? Is there a chance that we may get shut down as a result of protest activity? So we go through a litany of training, if you will, in addition to that, with every partner that we have. And then as a group, we come together and we talk about what's this season going to look like? These are significant dates. These are significant teams that will be here. We expect larger than average crowds on date X, date Y. So everybody's kind of on the same page. So before anybody walks in the door, we've reviewed training. We've discussed potential issues and challenges. We've talked about mitigation strategies. We've looked at things that we've put in place that are different than the prior year. We've got new Leos that we've onboarded, and we've had them do a physical walk and a tour of the building on a couple of different dates. We offer that for anybody that's new to the footprints. That way they just don't walk in cold on opening day and say, boom, where am I? There's 50,000 people. It looks like Mardi Gras outside. What, what do we got going on? Because you can't describe opening day other than it's a giant Mardi Gras, New Year's Eve party. I mean, everybody in the community's here. And whether they have tickets or not, the place is rocking and it's rolling. And it's no time for you to have a first-time employee go in with giant eyes and say, oh my God, where do I do it? How do I do it? So I think we do an amazing job getting all of our service providers internally and externally ready to go on game day. So when that first pitch goes off, we're here to make sure that all our fans are having the time of their life. 
Yeah. And it seems like when you have large groups of people, it's a herd. And when you have herds, they can turn into stampedes pretty quickly if they don't know what's going on. You don't communicate well. So Mike, with that in mind, what role does communication play in how you help manage the fan experience? So it's obviously extremely important that it's, there's so many examples of the way that we communicate with fans, you know, sending an email before the game saying what's allowed, what's not allowed to bring in. Social media is a huge, huge part of our fan communication. Basically, we want to get people in as much before first pitch as possible because the tendency is, you know, especially where Coors Field is situated in lower downtown in Denver, there's a lot of really great bars all around Coors Field. So people like to hang out in the bars until five minutes before first pitch. And then they, they get mad because there's lines at the, at the gates. Well, you know, we have to check everybody and get people in safely. So to try and delay some of that, we uh, do things like up in our rooftop section, we have a, a Coors Light bar where if you're here before first pitch, you can actually go up there and get a free beer. So we want, you know, want to get people in as early as we can. And, and that just helps everybody. In the future, the expediency and the, the non-latency of the communication is going to become more and more important as sports betting becomes more prevalent in stadiums. And if our betting partners want to do a special sort of application that's only available in stadium pitch by pitch with a 30-second pitch clock, somebody's trying to say, hey, I think on the next pitch, Charlie Blackman's going to hit a home run. You got to get that bet in within that 30 seconds and it needs to be confirmed. And then that way, you know, somebody can't be like, oh, I tried to bet on that and he hit that home run. Now sports betting partner X owes me $200, but because of the Rockies crappy system, didn't take my bet. We just can't have that. Wow, that's fascinating. I never even would have thought that would have been a thing, kind of like drones. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we start to wrap up here, I've got one last question for each of you. First, Tony, do you have any memorable stories from your time with the Rockies that you can share? So in 2021, Major League Baseball contacted us and asked us to host the All-Star Game, which we did. And we had a very short window of time to prepare for the All-Star Game. And if you'll remember what 21 was like with the challenges of COVID, with everything that we had hanging in the balance, we were able to pull that event together and pull it off. As luck would have it, we had an unfortunate incident occur at the Maven Hotel where it was reported what they thought that there was some nefarious activity there that could negatively impact the ball game. And within, within minutes of a police action, I was being notified and I was notifying our ownership, and we were talking to our federal partners, our local partners, to get to the bottom of it to ensure that there was no threat to the fans and no threat to the All-Star, but the communication was just astounding. So even before media found out about it, we already had had information on how it was being addressed and the fact that we were talking to the upper levels of leadership in the, in the Darren Police Department and at the city level, and the response from Major League Baseball in the city was just amazing. On a, on a situation that really was crime-related, but was not related to the All-Star. And the way they were trying to portray it, unfortunately, some people in me, it was that it was a direct threat to the All-Star, when in fact it wasn't. So, so that was just one example of how everybody kind of circled the wagons and worked together, both internally and externally, to make sure that we had an amazing All-Star event. And if memory serves, it was one of the more memorable All-Star events that Major League Baseball had had in some time. 
People walked out of here smiling from ear to ear. It was a great fan experience. We got the city of Denver got huge kudos for it. And the Rockies got pats on the back from everybody from our local Fed partners that worked with us to city leaders. So I couldn't be prouder of the Colorado Rockies organization for hosting the 2021 All-Star and then all that entailed in the short amount of time that we had to plan it. Well, remember too, Tony, it was the first sort of big national event coming out of COVID where we were fully, like the, the stadium was full of people. So that's something that I always sort of take a little pride in that like I helped America get out of COVID because uh, I had good Wi-Fi. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's a fantastic story. And only an organization that has excellent communication processes, collaboration could have responded in a way that you guys did. So that just speaks a lot to the organization. Well, Michael, last question for you. You already mentioned technology changing, the betting stuff. What else is new that you're focused on today? Just bringing your stadium up to date. What else could you tell the, the listeners about? Yeah, the, the thing that most people don't realize is that Coors Field opened in 1995. So that makes us the third oldest ballpark in the National League, which uh, so many people are, are shocked to hear that. I know I was when I first heard that. It just didn't add up. But in fact, a couple of teams are now on their second new stadium since we've had one. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's just crazy to think about. We, we did upgrade our, our Wi-Fi system a couple of years ago to Wi-Fi 6. Uh, we had a, a MLB consortium that sponsors that and really takes the lead on that. And my man, Dan Campbell, out at MLB just did a fantastic job. I couldn't ask for, any, for a better partner than him. For now, the, uh, coming into the 2023 season, the, the big thing is that we're remodeling our suite level. And there is a, a very large technical component to that. You know, whether that be, you know, the physical technology with, you know, running all the Cat6 cabling and the fiber that we need in there, all the way into some of the content that will display on the screens and some of the reservation systems. We're adding three new data closets and uh, we're running, gosh, hundreds of thousands of feet of, of new cabling. So uh, that's keeping us pretty busy. You know, so I think the fans are really going to be excited. The ones that that come up on the suite level, it's it's really going to be a nice upgrade for those customers. Yeah, that's fantastic. Just improving the overall experience. Well, Tony, Michael, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Peter. This has been really, really great. Thank you for tuning in. For more about Tony, Michael, and their work with the Colorado Rockies, please check the links in the show notes. We'll be back next week with more insights and ideas to help you protect your business and people. Until then, don't forget to subscribe to, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.